Hello, Bulls Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and it's been a little less than a week since the draft and start of NBA free agency. Can't believe it's it, it's gone pretty fast, actually, this last week. In this year's draft, of course, the Bulls selected Florida State forward Patrick Williams with the fourth overall pick. And while there wasn't much hype among the fan base and content creators in Bulls Nation leading up to the draft, by the time the pick was announced, I don't know if many of us were surprised because we started hearing more rumblings among the national media and here locally from Casey Johnson at NBC Sports Chicago that if the draft held up to form with Edwards, Wiseman, and LaMelo Ball going within the top three, that Williams would be the number four pick once the Bulls were on the clock. Now, things were really interesting early when Anthony Edwards went number one and James Wiseman at number two to the Warriors. You thought maybe there was a chance LaMelo Ball could fall out of the top three and into the Bulls' laps, but Michael Jordan and the Hornets opted for Ball's upside instead of pursuing a wing player like Obi Toppin or Isaac Okoro. Now, in our last couple of episodes, we discussed a bunch of potential prospects at number four. Names like Toppin and Okoro came up. So did Denny Avdia, Killian Hayes, Tyrese Halliburton. And we didn't really discuss Williams, except maybe for a quick throwaway, maybe 20 seconds combined in both episodes, How, maybe even shorter than that. But why did we not lock in on Patrick Williams couple weeks ago and even just on Monday before the draft. Well, it didn't seem like a major fit. Williams is projected to be a four in the league and with Laurie Markinen and Wendell Carter, I think many of us didn't know if if he'd be that guy that the Bulls would take a shot at. But in terms of potential upside, the pick makes total sense. You know, Williams is a freakish athlete and he's somebody from day one who could be very productive on the defensive end. You've probably heard from a lot of people the comparisons to Jimmy Butler and possibly Kawhi Leonard. Now, that's going to take some major improvement on the offensive end before we can even get to living up to those two. Um, But I think this speaks to the Bulls' newfound emphasis on player development. It's even more critical now than it was before the draft because... Can Karnaschovas, Eversley, and Donovan ensure that the current core and Williams develop in the next year or two to make this situation here much clearer and potentially more attractive? We'll see. Also in round two, the Bulls drafted a versatile center in Marco Simonovic from overseas. He's expected to be stashed away for at least the next season, maybe even longer than that. And after the draft, Karnaschovas and Eversley struck a deal with Devin Dotson on a two-way contract. Dotson is a Chicago native from the University of Kansas, a point guard. So maybe adding some depth there. Uh, We're not sure how much playing time he's going to get again. He's on one of those two-way deals. Of course, we also had free agency kickoff last Friday. And the Bulls, unsurprisingly, were quiet. They signed veteran guard Garrett Temple to a one-year deal, and and he'll bring some much-needed shooting depth off the bench. They also re-upped with Denzel Valentine. So nothing flashy from the Bulls. Look, 2021 is going to be a year of evaluation. Would some splash trades and signings have been a lot of fun? Yes. And could they have been useful? Sure. But given the lack of cap flexibility and uncertainty with the young core ceiling, you know, I'm okay with them just taking this year to evaluate each of these guys 
on the roster and and maybe make a decision by the trade deadline or after the 2021 season is over. I know some Bulls fans wanted to see them get creative and trade some guys, possibly sign some key role players too, and that would have been fine, but I think these moves so far, they tell you how the front office really feels about the situation, and that is they think poor coaching and bad player development played a really major role in the subpar records the last two seasons. Now, in my opinion, the front office, they're, they're not even a year on the job. So to me, they earn the benefit of the doubt for now. You know, give them a full year or two until you put some of these moves under the microscope. Keep in mind, they inherited a situation where the roster has unknown commodities and a lot of cap space right now is tied up. So I say let them course correct over the next year. Then we can analyze and, and overanalyze on their corresponding moves. So I want to talk more about the Bulls and really the whole NBA draft and free agency period with Matt Esposito. Matt's the founder of The Playgrounder. Uh, They have an entire website, podcast, and YouTube channel where they break down the game thoroughly. I really love their YouTube videos where they break down players' on-court skills as well as some of the X's and O's throughout the course of a game. If you're not following them, now do it. They're on Twitter, at PlaygrounderNBA. If you love the ins and outs of hoops, you'll really love their content. So please, give them a follow. You won't be disappointed. So let's bring Matt Esposito in now. Matt, how are you? And thank you for coming on. All right, so let's bring Matt in now. Matt, how are you? Thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you for having me. So I'm I'm doing well. You know, I'm not looking forward to winter in a pandemic, but at least we'll have basketball back and that'll kind of, you know, bring some good into my life. But how, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing all right, all things considered. And, and let me tell you, though, the NBA helped us, I think, get through part of the end of the summer when the pandemic was going on. So, like, basketball is a great elixir to at least take your mind off some stuff. So I, I am looking forward to some stuff on the court as well. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, like, it's it, what's interesting is uh, – I don't know about you, but I did not expect basketball to kind of restart this quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like we didn't have a break, but I, I like it. I'm into it. Oh, totally. And I think I was surprised, too. I thought maybe they would wait until sometime in January, maybe Feb 1, to really kick things off. But, yeah, Adam Silver and the NBA, they they want to just you know power through, get at least 72 games under their belt. and. I always kind of like having the NBA around Christmas time. So I think that's why I'm, I'm really digging it. They're going to be starting a couple of days for, before Christmas. So that always makes the holidays a lot more fun. Yeah. And I feel like the ideal Christmas day is, you know, you, you for, for all those who celebrate, you, you wake up, you open your gifts, you have like a nice Christmas brunch, you know, like mm-hmm. that 10, 1030 breakfast, maybe 11. And then after that, you're kind of like, well, what do I do? Like, you know, I'm coming down off this high of all these presents and this wonderful breakfast. And and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, like basketball's on. This is great. I know what I'm doing today. So I, that'll, that'll be awesome. So I was talking a little bit before you came out about the Playgrounder. And I, I, I wanted to ask you um, about it because I really stumbled on it within the last year, I think, through your Twitter handle. And um, I know it's a site that, that you founded. So when did you guys start over at the Playgrounder? And exactly uh, what are you trying to bring to to fans that other blogs and websites aren't doing? Yeah, uh, so long story short, um, I had kind of bounced around as as a writer, um, some position, well, most positions unpaid and, and one kind of like semi-paid position. And 
Uh, I learned a lot of things. And, um, you know, I guess one day I kind of woke up and was like, I just kind of want to strike out on my own. I want to be in charge of my own site. I want to do this on my own terms. And, um, you know, for me, I, I kind of break down writing. Um, I think people, I think people read about basketball for two reasons. Um, I think people want to read to be informed. And uh, I also think people read to, you know, just for entertainment. And I, the way I saw it was a lot of sites one or the other, and not many sites were doing both. So, you know, I, on the one hand, you have places like, uh, you know, I, th- I think the Stepien is great for like scouting, but they're very analytical. And then you have places like um, blogs like Barstool, right, which are very um, bloggish, right? Like they're, they're mm-hmm. funny and they're a little less formal. So I kind of wanted to merge the two and, um, and just go from there and kind of branch out into like YouTube as well. So um, that's where we are right now. And, and you know, we have a new our, – our, our website's going to get redesigned and that should be up pretty soon. So that – so because now it looks like a third grader did it right now and that third <laughs> grader is me. <laughs> um, We've all been yeah, there, man, you know, when you're just starting these things. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I had no idea what I was doing. Like I, I bought the domain name and mm-hmm. – uh, I was like, oh, well, you know, what the heck do I do now? Like, how, like, how do I make a website? Um, but, you know, we, we've had some, you know, been very, very fortunate to have some, so a little bit of success early on. So we're going to actually make the website look like it's a legitimate place where you want to, where you want to read and spend some time and watch some videos. So all, all good things going forward for sure. Well, and I do like the style of writing. I know I read your, your recent post on Tristan Thompson uh, making his signing to Boston and you started out with the joke about the Kardashian family, um, which I thought was great. But you really get analytical, breaking it down then within the piece. And I, I noticed that in, in some of the other pieces your other writers have taken on. And to our listeners here in Bulls Nation, they, they wrote a really great piece on Patrick Williams. If you want to get a, a more of an insight into into Patrick Williams' game, I thought it was a fantastic breakdown from, from top to bottom. I really like your videos. Uh, what's the thought process behind doing the video breakdowns and and you know, how are people receiving them? Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> this, this is funny. So when you're first making a YouTube page, obviously, you know, you're not going to get too, too many views because you have to get those subscribers and right. there's so much competition. So I was like, you know what? I, I always thought that basketball, the way basketball is today in many regards, it's kind of like how lawyers speak or how people in finance use words you don't understand. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a game that everybody plays. You go out and you play pickup. Like let's break down the videos so that anybody can watch it and still maintain its integrity. Um, so I wanted just, I wanted to make them a little easier to understand and just be like, Hey, listen, here's an example of so-and-so dribbling with their head down. And you would be surprised that NBA players still do that, but a couple of them still do. And throw some jazzy music behind it and I narrate over a couple. And so at first we didn't get like too many views, I'll be honest. But um, what happened was after free agency, you know, as for, for example, Aaron Baines signed with the Raptors and I had made an Aaron Baines free agency preview and, um, and no one had looked at it. And then all of a sudden he signs with the Raptors and people searching into YouTube, like, oh, okay, like, you know, I got to find this, you know, free agency breakdown and, and my video would pop up and that's how we started seeing like a little bit of success. So, um, it's cool. It's cool to put in the work. And I, at the end of the day, I just want to make videos that anybody 
can watch and feel like they got a little bit smarter, but um, you know, not to overwhelm people. And it's a video it's supposed to entertain. So that's kind of where my, my mindset is at with that. Mm-hmm. And if, again, for our listeners, it's the playgrounder.com. Uh, and on, on Twitter, it's at playgrounder NBA, correct? Yeah. So, because, you know, I thought I had actually thought of a unique domain name and it turns out like good, good luck with that uh, for all my people who are trying to strike out on their own. Um, so hopefully one day we can just get the playgrounder and, uh, and, and have that all to our own. Nice. Well, and I, again, I, I definitely encourage our, our listeners to give it a follow because again, great in-depth breakdowns. And like you said, you, you do keep it entertaining. So I want to get your thoughts. So of course the, the draft and free agency was like a flurry. It, it, it all happened so fast over the course of 48 hours. Let's start with the draft though. What was your thoughts on just the draft order and, and lack of movement? Were you surprised that things pretty much held up to form and there wasn't anything flashy? You know, I, I'm surprised and not surprised at the same time. I feel like, um, I feel like we have the rumor mill and everything flies around. Like I remember on, on Twitter, I think a day before the draft, I saw this, this rumor that like James Harden was eating dinner with Danny Ainge and, um, I got all hot and bothered from it, but you know, of course they're all just rumors. So you hear about all this stuff, um, which is a major part of the industry right now. So like, if anything, I think that this draft taught us to maybe put a little less stock into the rumors and kind of go with like the chalk, right? Like what, what, how you think things are going to be and how they kind of are right now. Um, but that being said, you know, I guess we'll never know what would have happened with, with Golden State. I think if Clay Thompson doesn't get injured, th- that pick is moved. Um, I don't know for what. I don't know, you know, for who. It could have been a guy like Wendell Carter, who I am very, very high on uh, still. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure that factored into it. I'm sure Charlotte told themselves, we're just going to take who's available at three, uh, best player mm-hmm. available. And he saw some movement later on in the draft, but, you know, I, I didn't see like two, there were some surprises, but for the most part, I thought a lot of teams were like really, really smart. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you came away thinking that, if you maybe had a different take than I did. No, I, I thought it was really like, it was the perfect chalk draft and it, every player that was taking it, taken in their appropriate spots really fit. I feel like a, a need for each team. Right. And, and not to be too bull centric with you, but even the Patrick Williams pick. And, and we didn't, on this podcast, or I mean, there's a lot of other content creators in Bulls Nation, I don't think Patrick Williams was on our radar until the day of the draft. But it, it actually makes a lot of sense. I think some of us thought that they were going to be bold and, and move up maybe to that Golden State spot or, or even up to number one, because really the Bulls' major fit was point guard. So a lot of people thought that was going to be the pick, one of those, those guys. But really, just in terms of, of the picks made this year, uh, I wasn't surprised by the draft order. I think maybe Anthony Edwards at number one, I wasn't sure about. I honestly thought that it was going to be LaMelo and they'd say, hey, let's figure it out later, the Timberwolves. I don't know how you felt about that, but I was thinking that maybe they would just pick LaMelo and kind of roll with what they got with him and, and Russell and see whichever guy has more upside in the next year or two, that's the guy you, you take and you trade the other. But other than that, everything held the form. I, I agree with you. I'm just I'm I'm looking up the 2021 draft right now because I think it's going to factor into like my analysis on what the Bulls did. But um, yeah, I mean, like, listen, there are some there are some concerns about about Anthony Edwards. Like, he he has all the talent in the world, like all the potential. Um, 
just a, a freaky, freaky athlete. But I yeah. mean, I remember hearing some, so that, that article comes out right before the draft, which was absolutely horrible timing. Um, and I, and I thought as like a professional courtesy, that article should have come out like a couple weeks before the draft. And it was the one that was talking about him, you know, and there were some quotes in there like, Oh, like I'd leave to play football now if I could. Um, I don't know. I, I think people are totally right to be a little skeptical. Like if I'm a general manager and I'm investing and it's, which is what it is. Um, and it sounds really transactional and inhumane, but it's an investment. It's a 30 plus million dollar investment on a player. And, um, it, it kind of scares me away a little bit, uh, but I like the gamble and like it, it makes sense uh, positionally for, for Minnesota. Um, I liked it. I, I think I've in regards to the bulls, I think I would have gone with a couple other players and then Patrick Williams, but hmm. you know, I like him. I like him a lot. And like, ultimately I don't have any problems with the, the draft pick. Um, especially because I don't think the bulls are looking to win next year. I think, I think they know that they're going to, that they're going to struggle. And I think next year's draft class has a lot of good players. Um, and if you can, you know, and, and there are a bunch of point guards in it. I'm looking over the, the draft class right now and a lot, a lot of playmakers in general. So you don't mm-hmm. have to get, you know, to me, the biggest need for the Bulls was a, a true point guard. And, and and you can get that next year. It doesn't have to happen right away. Well, and, and the thing with the Bulls uh, and the reason that the Patrick Williams pick makes sense is I think this year's a whole year of evaluation for the Bulls because right now we're not really sure what the ceiling is of, of what we like to call the core four, Levine, Marketing, Carter, Kobe White. We're not really sure where their ceilings are at, and a lot of that's because there, there wasn't an emphasis on player development. You had a boob and a head coach in Jim Boylan. So now up upgrading that at head coach with Billy Donovan and really putting an emphasis on player development I think is key. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, though, like with the situation with the Bulls, Matt, but like, we have one of the, or we had one of the smallest scouting departments in the NBA for a top franchise. Didn't spend a lot of money within scouting or player development, and it showed. So I think this is sort of like a year of evaluation to kind of see where these guys' ceilings are at, and if they overperform or overachieve, that's gravy. That's awesome. But you know, I, I think the splash moves that some people in Bulls Nation wanted, like trades to move up in the draft, trading away some of these guys. I mean, I don't know if you would have gotten anything for them. Like, Larry Markkinen's coming off a really iffy season. You you need a year to see where he's actually at before you either give him an extension or move him. So I think there's a lot of things you got to evaluate this season. What are your thoughts on, on Patrick Williams, though, as a prospect? I know um, one of your writers at the Playgrounder, and I, I, I'm drawing a blank on who wrote it, I think wrote a really good piece breaking down his game. But what are your thoughts on Patrick Williams? Do you think that's a good fit for the Bulls? Where do you think his potential ceiling could be. I, I do think it's a good fit. And and the guy you're thinking of is Andrew Lawler, who's an absolutely fantastic, uh, mm-hmm. you know, young and up and coming writer that we have, but um, he, he's, he's got a, such a bright future. but either way. Um, yeah. I, I liked him and I, I liked the fit. I think some people have some, pos, you know, positional questions with Williams. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really see it. Uh, and, and I think he actually, in a weird way, so I know that he obviously skyrocketed up 
the the draft boards, but in a weird way, he still might be one of those players who's a casualty of this really, really long, you know, scouting process in in a sense that I think people are overthinking it. I -hmm. really do. I I, I think he's a a very special athlete. Um, I think he's got a a pretty high floor, you know, just he'll be able to, at, at the very worst, he'll be able to compete defensively. Yeah. Um, and, and he'll be good enough, uh, in terms of scoring the ball. So like, I think the floor is really good and, and you need high floor players at his position, uh, to be successful. Like that is a, it's, that's kind of like a swing position in the NBA, right? Like your team in many regards might go, um, according to what direction your wings and forwards are at. So, um, I, I liked it, you know, and, and, and the, obviously the ceiling is there as well because, you know, Patrick Williams did show some shot creation. Right. Uh, and, and, and so I like that. I think when you're drafting at that position, you, you do want to get a, a player who has the potential to be greater than what he is right now um, exponentially. And I think at least the potential with Williams is there and he also has a very high floor. So I liked it. And, and it, you know, I remember I have a couple of friends that are Bulls fans and they're like, what are we doing? And I was like, guys, just relax. This is a very, very good pick, even if you don't see it right now. So um, I might have taken a couple other players instead of him, but I have no problems with it. Well, it's interesting because I think the the positional concerns we keep hearing about, especially here in Chicago, um, people see the redundancy with Laurie Markkinen, maybe if, if Williams is at the four spot. But I mean, from what it sounds like, Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley do think Patrick Williams has a future at the three. So if you do get that, then you're really you really are filling in every hole within your lineup potentially with him. What was I to you the most maybe surprising selection of this year's draft? Again, we, we we said it was mostly chalk, but was there something even maybe in the back half that might have surprised you a little bit, or someone you think was a, a, a puzzling move? Um, I'm not going to spend too much time on on my my Celtics because I'll never stop, but. Peyton Pritchard Pritchard definitely surprised me. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people had a first round grade on him. And I think it surprised me simply because um, he's someone who I think actually got like underscouted in this process. So that was a little surprising of a name to hear. I was surprised to hear um, uh, Phoenix taking Jalen Smith. I... I didn't think it made much sense. I still don't think it makes much sense to me. Um, I, I I don't know. I I would have I would have gone with Halliburton. Uh, that's mm-hmm. just me. I I think that obviously like, there's a little bit of overlap in terms of skill with Chris Paul now being there, but Halliburton can play in, in any lineup. So I I mean, of course, the, the easy thing to say is yeah, I was surprised that Halliburton fell. Um, but yeah, and and also Precious. Um, that I mean, that's such a Miami pick, right? Yeah. And and yeah. it almost made too much sense. It was like, oh, okay, of course this guy is going to fall to the Heat. Um, I was also uh, surprised that uh, Terrell Terry. A lot of people mm-hmm. had a first round grade on him, and and I also think like, and I guess this gets to my own personal draft philosophy. Like, I I think that if you see a player with the upside that Terry has. It's just it's worth the dice roll, even if mm-hmm. it is high risk, high reward. Um, that's just the nature of the game in the NBA. Like mediocrity gets you, you know, j- just that, right? It gets you stuck in the middle. And in a in a league that really values either 
going all in to compete for a title or bottoming out, we still haven't really caught up to how we criticize general managers when they make those swing for the fence picks. We're like, oh man, you know, they swung for the fence on so-and-so and they missed. Well, it doesn't seem like a good <laughs> a good outcome either way if we're in this NBA where you want to either be at the very top or be at the bottom to get draft picks. So I was kind of confused uh, why he fell. I, I didn't, I don't know. So I, let me... Let me ask you a question. So you're you're a Boston fan, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is one thing that I I think I've always respected about the Celtics is they're one of those front offices that's always at the to me the cutting edge. It's where I want the Bulls to be when it comes to to drafting, and I feel like they've always picked guys with extremely high ceilings potentially, right? So. I mean, is, is that an accurate assessment? I'm, I'm speaking about this maybe from somebody outside of Boston or outside of, you know, outside the fan base. Like, that's where I want my team to be. And I think there's that's where a lot of NBA fans want their teams to be, is making those kind of more shrewd draft choices. But I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how that, that feeling is among Celtics fans. Fan. You know, when you go back to Marcus Smart, I think if you go back and you read his scouting reports, um, a lot of people will say that this guy has, you know, at the time they're like, he has all-star potential. Right. Um, and the Celtics drafted, obviously they hoped for him to be an all-star and what they got is, is really great. They have one of the best defensive guards in the NBA who can consistently, you know, hit threes now and um, good, good playmaker. Uh, look, when you look at Jalen Brown, like I think Danny Ainge, uh, I think it was as simple as this. They brought him in for a workout. If I remember, he made like 75 out of 100 threes. It's kind of like this this thing that they do in their workouts. They they always count, you know, how many out of 100 you make. And Ainge was like, yeah, we know that this kid is really clumsy and very, very, he was very unskilled at the point. But you look at the archetype and you're like, okay, six foot seven, seven foot two wingspan. He showed up, even if it was a mirage, he showed that he might have some shooting potential. Like, let's just go for it because ultimately – that is the that is the position you need to hit on most likely if you're going to really compete for a title same thing with Jason Tatum even guys like even Terry Rozier a lot of a lot of people thought a lot of people had like a late first early second round grade on Rozier you know he goes number 16 and and you could you can envision a world where Terry Rozier is better than what he is just because he is you know only 6-1 but he's got like a 6-9 wingspan and a really good athlete so whether it's guys like that or or Gershon Yabusele, who's not even in the league anymore, Ainge like is is pretty good at identifying the the foundational physical profiles you need to have to to potentially be a good player one day. Um, and there are definitely want- some Danny Ainge draft picks that I disagree with, but um, yeah, any mm-hmm. any Celtic flattery, we you know I appreciate it. <laughs> Well, and I want to actually get your thoughts too on Aaron Naismith because, like, to me, that's a—I think that's a, a a solid pick too. Like, this is what I mean. It seems like they're always picking players, like, especially with where they're they're picking in the draft. They're usually picking middle. Like Terry Rozier, I think what when he got drafted, he was what like the fifteenth or sixteenth pick when they picked him. So, like, you're not expecting these guys to turn into necessarily all-star caliber players, but you're really filling out your bench with nice pieces. And Rozier did that for years. I really like this Naismith pick. I don't know. Like what, what's your thoughts on getting a, a good shooter in the, to join that, that roster? I loved it. I loved it. So there is, there's a pretty clear difference between um, 
what Danny Ainge did last year and what he did this year. So last year, I think he picked some guys who, so like he took Romeo Langford last year, which was one of the top five recruits in the country, was injured his freshman year, uh, kind of like a, I don't want to say to swing for the fences pick, but somewhere along those lines. Um, he, he, you know, then he, he, ended, he ends up taking uh, Carson Edwards. He ends up taking Taco Fall, Tremont Waters, right? So like guys that he's, he's kind of like taking flyers on them. And I think the thought process was I, at that point, I don't think they had Kemba Walker yet. So Ainge was probably looking at it like, okay, we have Tatum and, and Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward could leave in a year. Let me just, let me throw some dartboards and see what sticks. And then the difference is this year, he does take a guy like uh, Aaron Naismith, who he can play right away. And and he will play right away if, if everything with his foot is okay. And I think it should be. Um, arguably the best shooter in the draft. Um, and he's going to change the way Brad Stevens calls plays. He's Brad Stevens will work in more plays, more like, you know, weak side movement, off ball stuff for, for Naismith. Um, and it, it's interesting because Danny Ainge is like, okay, Last year we were throwing darts, and this year we want to get guys who can help us win now. Mm-hmm. And I like Jay Smith because, well, I it, I guess my my hottest take of the Celtics offseason will be that um, do do not be surprised if he ends up a, a starter as a rookie just because of the sense it makes with the roster and and the fit that he has, and and that he might be a little better defensively than what we think. So I I absolutely uh, loved that pick. So I, I want to get into some of the free agency moves that have gone down so far this offseason. And you brought up Gordon Hayward. Was that the most surprising thing that you think happened in free agency so far? Or was there another one that, that surprised you? I mean, like, the everything that Detroit did was was surprising. Oh, so, oh, like, <laughs> Yeah. How many centers can you add? It's unbelievable. It's even even like they they added Okafor right so like even that I was like what is go- like what's going on like can, like can we get a job in Detroit like they might actually hire us, um, but but yeah I mean so outside of that entire organization, man the the, the Gordon Hayward contract has absolutely has to be the most surprising because, at, at what point, do you start to call a spade a spade, and I love Gordon Hayward and I'm I'm rooting for Gordon Hayward I want him to be successful. But at, at some point, a player, we just have to project a player to have injuries in their career, whether it's missing 15 games at a clip, whether it's missing half a season at a clip. I just, I just think it's going to happen with him. I think the nature of his injury, like there are times, like there are reports out there where there are times where he just like can't really feel his foot. Like that's, that's not, that's not good. <laughs> so 120 million for four years. I mean. Not only was it surprising because he's simply not worth that money, but it's surprising because it came from Charlotte. Yeah. And it looked like the Hornets were actually doing the right stuff. Like I I, I thought their game plan was going to be, all right, tank for one more year. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a little bit of cap space. So, it, so I also thought they might be one of those teams that takes on bad contracts like an Al Horford and, and gets a pick back in return. And, and, you know, what's frustrating is they needed to tank for, I think, one more year. And unfortunately, you know, they might be fighting for that eighth seed or those kind of like playing games. So the whole well, the whole thing didn't make any sense. Charlotte, to me, has 35 wins written all over it. And uh, 
that's not where you want to be if you want to get a, a, a big prospect next year. So, like, to me, they're going to definitely be competing for that final playoff spot into that uh, play-in tournament, I think. And you're right. That's not what you want to see. Has there been other surprising moves to you other than, than Detroit? Um, you know, are you shocked at how active the Lakers were? I mean, I feel like they've upgraded their bench tremendously. And, you know, they, they basically took Dwight Howard and you turned him into Montrez Harrell. You've added Dennis Schroeder to that team via, via trade. I mean, do you like what the Lakers are doing stockpiling? Well, you're a Celtics fan, but I mean, as just NBA observer, how do you feel about what the Lakers are doing? I, I really liked it. And I liked it because they went from a very dangerous position in terms of losing the people that helped to bring you a title to somehow getting better, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, I mean, obviously, like, a, a guy like Avery Bradley didn't play in the bubble, but he was a big part of their their season, and, and, and he's gone, right? He's on the heat now. Um, Rajan Rondo is another player who huge part of the Lakers postseason success, huge part. He's on Atlanta now. Um, Dwight Howard was a, was a big part of their season. He's, he's in Philadelphia. So at first I was like, Oh no, like what's going on in LA? Like did, did, did they happen to suffer from their success? Right. Did, did their success boost the value? of some of their players like Rondo, which ultimately led to their exodus. But then they replaced him with guys like Montrezl Harrell, who uh, I I think we've kind of overanalyzed some of his shortcomings. I think he's a really, really good player. Mm -hmm. Um, I love love uh, Dennis Schroeder. I always screw up how to say his last name, by the way. Schroeder? Schroeder? Interchangeable, man. It's like potato, potato. You're fine. I've heard Schroeder as – I don't know. We'll just call him Dennis. Uh, Dennis, there you go. Yeah, just uh, just so he'll be a one name basketball player, kind of like uh, like Cher or something like that, or, or, or Prince, you know. Or, <laughs> that's right, Prince. That's right. Um, but yeah, so they upgraded, and while you might, I think there are some people out there that are like, you know what, they should have just ran it back with everybody. Like, why risk the chemistry? Um. Well, I, I think that their ceiling is actually higher. And, and obviously nothing gets higher than winning a title. But like just in terms of how they perform in the regular season and how good they can be as a team, like that ceiling got higher for them. So I loved what they did. Um, they brought back Morris, I think, on like a vet minimum. And that's an absolute steal. I mean, he must be getting some of his brother's money, right? <laughs> I Maybe. I that that one was interesting. I think Marcus Soul too. I really like. I mean, they're they're just. I you know. I and I was kind of like those people that thought they were just going to bring it back with everybody. I thought. I thought Dwight Howard was coming back. I thought Rondo was coming back. Um. So it, it's it is surprising. Like, go back to the the Morris brothers real quick. I mean, is there a more unlikable duo in the NBA than the Morris brothers? <laughs> you know, probably not. Um. I remember when Marcus was on the Celtics, he was, you know, Marcus Smart is a, is a no, 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 yes kind of shooter. Mm. And I felt like Marcus Morris was like a, like, no, 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 no kind of shooter. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I get what you're saying. And like, I think they definitely share a bank account, to be honest. They, they have to. Didn't well, they already they- do that once? I think, I, you know what? I, I don't know about that. I've never, I didn't know that was a thing. I know that. Weren't they very early in their careers adamant about playing with one another? Like they, I thought one wanted to get traded to what was it, Phoenix? I'm trying to remember where it was where they both landed at the same time. 
or were trying to force their way to. I think they were both on Phoenix, and they took like a that was it, kind of like a wink, wink deal where mm-hmm. one got paid more than the other, but they just kind of like split it. And I wonder if like that's still happening. I mean, who knows? That I guess that's only a rumor, so it's not confirmed. But um, I mean, I would listen. I would rather have Markeith Morris for the for the money that he's on than Marcus <laughs> Morris, you know, for the money that he's on. You know what also makes me laugh about the Morris uh, twins is that they're they're always on the move at the trade deadline. Like every single trade deadline, you you you're waiting for the Marcus or Marquis for Morris rumors to start up. Like it's an annual NBA trade line tradition now that one of those guys is getting moved. Yeah, them and like uh, I'm so I uh, I'm from Connecticut. I'm a big UConn Huskies fan. So like them and mm-hmm. like. You can expect one of those two to be traded, and you can also expect Shabazz Napier to be thrown in to like make the cap match in just about any trade, <laughs> um, which is unfortunate because I actually think he's he's a good like backup point guard. But um, I bet you didn't expect we'd be talking about Shabazz Napier today, though, right? I'm I am I'm I'm all for it, and you're totally right. Like you you need those guys in the NBA to fill the cap for for those for those trades. And real quick, I want to ask you about our bulls here. Do you like this conservative approach? We talked about the evaluation of 2021 when we were talking about the draft. Right now, the, the only key signings the Bulls have made is Garrett Temple. And, you know, so adding a veteran guard and shooter to, to their bench and re-upping with Denzel Valentine, who really hasn't gotten a lot of play. He was not, he was in Jim Boylan's doghouse for some reason. So, I mean, do you like that kind of approach with a team like the Bulls? Or do you think they should have maybe used some mid-level money to try to, to get somebody of a little more substance. No, I, I, uh, I really liked it. Um, and I think sometimes we were, we're quick to judge teams when they don't do something. And I, I thought their approach was absolutely perfect. So they, they, first of all, they brought in a veteran in, in temple who, um, he's a pros pro, right? Like Mm -hmm. you need those kind of presences in the locker room. Um, and then I, I was hoping that they brought back Valentine because, he he does have untapped potential and I could not for the life of me figure out why he wasn't playing. I, I didn't mm-hmm. get it. Um, I don't know if like, you know, there was, there obviously must've been something behind the scenes with, with him and Boylan. But when you look at Valentine, like, is he, is he a perfect player? Absolutely not. But it's undeniable that he has a skill set that can help teams. Um, mm-hmm. Good passer. And and if I if I remember, he can be like a streaky shooter, but I think he's I think he's like good enough. Like I don't think he's like a Chris Dunn level shooter. Um, and he he always was someone going back to his days at at Michigan State who uh, plays the game one play ahead, and he sees the floor. He sees the game. You know, he sees the floor one play ahead. So um, I'm I'm very very. If I would if I was a Bulls fan, if if I were a Bulls fan, I would be happy that you're taking chances on some guys who didn't get a fair shake at things under Boylan and that you didn't take on any bad contracts. Um, and next year you'll have a chance to get another good draft pick and, and you, you should have cap space. Uh, and I would just go from there. You know, I think kind of standing pad was the best thing to do. Yeah. And I think that's, at least for me, I, I've been preaching that, that really 2021 that summer, is the summer you want to be poised to make some moves. So, like, look, I, I'm kind of with you. I think this is going to be a year with the Bulls where they might not necessarily be a slam dunk as, like, a, a fifth or sixth seed, but maybe hovering around that 
32 to 40 win mark, maybe competing for that, that final spot in the playoffs because it's just the way the Eastern conference is. But I think that's ideal for the bulls. And if, if you get the most out of your core four and Patrick Williams, you might surprise some people making that, that summer very attractive potentially for a free agent. I kind of look at it like the Brooklyn nets situation from a, a couple years ago. Like, I think that's what the bulls are trying to mirror right now. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I, to your point about Denzel Valentine, I think that's the one trait that us Bulls fans really like is his passing ability. Like, that guy can can make plays on the floor, and that was what was so frustrating the last couple of seasons is not seeing him get more run with, with this lineup because, you know, they, they were playing Ryan Archie Diacono at the three when you could have had Denzel Valentine on the floor, and it, it just made no sense. But a lot of things didn't make sense under Jim Boylan. I mean, I'm curious. As somebody that's you know not not a Bulls fan, what's your thoughts on on Jim Boylan? Like, I mean, we rip him all the time around here. But I'm curious what somebody outside of of Bulls Nation thinks about Jim Boo Boylan. So, my I am someone who is I tend not to be too too harsh on on. Well, how how do I want to phrase this? I think that. Every single coach in the NBA, whether it's Jim Boylan or Eric Spolstra, whoever, knows how to run an NBA offense, and they know how to run a defense. I, I, like we, we, they know, they know these guys are professionals at their job. They know how to call plays and set things up. Um, you can obviously question him for some of his personnel decisions in terms of who he plays, but where he absolutely failed was generating a, a locker room that wants to win that a locker room that where everyone is on the same page where you you have a goal and that goal doesn't need to be winning a championship that goal can be listen we want to win you know 10 more games than what we were projected to win and like everything you heard about it it was one of the most, like the bulls were one of the most interesting teams to follow because you would you would constantly hear these stories come out and you would hear guys speak openly, um, players, right? You would hear players speak openly in ways that you had never heard before about guys who, like with their coach. Like you just don't hear that too often. So, I mean, listen, how hard is it? <laughs> it can't be that hard for a grown man to look around 15 other grown men and be like, oh, wait a minute. You guys are all wealthy and like playing basketball and in the prime of your lives. Like how? Like this should be pretty easy to cultivate uh, a nice little environment for us where we bond and all this. Like, how do you screw that up? I just I don't understand it. And think about this: he screwed it up the minute he took control of of the head coaching spot. Like, he was named acting head coach after Hoiberg gets canned, and literally days after taking the job, there's a near mutiny in the locker room. That's how bad it was, Matt. It really was. And it's actually kind of interesting. It was a I think yesterday was the year anniversary of when. The Bulls were down six to, or no, they were down five to Charlotte, and uh, it was a game where Zach Levine got benched in the middle of the game by Jim Boylan and, and didn't see the floor for a long stretch. So he came back in and he had this game-winning three. It was like the the Bulls scored six points in a matter of like like four seconds or something, and you could tell like Zach Levine was just charged up and pissed off. So like when he hit that three, he was just he just let out this giant scream. And it was kind of weird because you could kind of tell Boylan was not not necessarily like 100% pumped up and excited. It was more like, a, oh, well, that's great. We got to win. But 
I mean, he kind of had some egg on his face given what happened in that moment. So it's just a very weird situation here with him. If you can't listen, if if you can't get fifteen like-minded individuals working in the same job with the same goal, <laughs> like to 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 like you, it's just it's bizarre. Like you you could have had I don't know you could have had anyone from like mm. like a Catholic nun to like you know a dinosaur as the head coach and they would have done a better job. Like it just, I don't know. It, it's, it's so bizarre of a situation to me. And and it was a surprise to me when, uh, when they didn't get rid of him earlier. Mm. Well, the, the crazy thing was, you know, they have him as acting head coach in the 19th season and they didn't even bother doing a coaching search for 2020. They, they literally just decided let's give him a two year contract, three year contract, bring him back as head coach. When, you know, you had Monty Williams out there. You had some interesting names that could have been a better fit. And I think that's one of the, the reasons why a lot of Bulls fans right now are excited. There's there's new vision with a new front office. We, we had Garpax running the show for 17 years. So you get new new perspectives in the room. And you get a head coach with an actual professional resume. Like, around the league, Billy Donovan might just be a ho-hum hire. But here it's a very big deal. Because it's a professional coach with an established resume and some player development chops in his background. So a lot of us are really excited about that move for sure. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, the, one of the reasons that obviously hiring a, a coach who used to be a college coach at one point is a little bit of a risk. Um, but the, the good thing about Billy Donovan is that he has a clear track record of like getting young men to like him and buy in. And, <laughs> and, and that's something that uh, can never be, um, that's something that we should definitely underscore. Yeah, for sure. So listen, I, I am higher. <laughs> I think I'm higher on the bulls than maybe some other people. Um, you have a good coach now. I, I, I do like the draft pick. I think that Wendell Carter is going to make a very big leap next year, just because there's going to be a new coach and it may be a different yeah. style of play. I think Larry Markinen is actually going to be used as more like he'll shoot the ball from different places on the court and he can do that. And I think that's good. So. I'm excited for this team. I think that uh, I think that Otto Porter Jr. In, in a very weird way. I remember I think it was two years ago now when they acquired him. Yep. The Bulls were like they were they used to run him as like a pick and roll ball handler, and he was okay. Like he he showed some stuff that we never saw in Washington. So maybe some of that stuff can be unearthed yeah. again. Um, but I'm a little higher on the Bulls than other people. One well, the Otto Porter thing is interesting too because when he first came on, they they went on a bit of a hot streak in 2019 when he came on. You saw what he could do with with that core group, um, but everybody took a, a step back in 2020, other than Zach Levine. Zach Levine was the only one you really saw get some gains. So it'll be interesting to see what Billy Donovan does with this group because I I think all eyes are on Wendell Carter Jr. Like that's the one guy that that everybody in Chicago thinks could take a massive step up this year, you know, actually be somebody that's used in the offense because Jim Boylan did not want to use him offensively, never let him take a, you know, a shot from top of the key or from the three point line, basically parked his butt down low. Laurie Markkinen, I feel like was really misused once Jim Boylan came in, like under Fred Hoiberg, you saw what Laurie Markkinen could do as a stretch for, and, you know, doing some things down low, getting some mismatches that really wasn't a point of emphasis with Jim Boylan. They basically parked his ass at the three-point line. That was it. So those are two guys, like you were saying. I think a lot of Bulls fans are really excited to see what Billy Donovan can do with those two. So all, all eyes are on those guys. What, my, my advice to the Bulls fans listening is whatever 
the different media publications out there project your team to win, just I would immediately tack on four or five wins. Hmm. Um, I think I, I think that I think that the the players on that team are much much better than than what a lot of people uh, think they are. So I'm I'm a little higher on them and. And listen, you'll have to have me back on the show one day to talk about Kobe White because we can have like an hour-long discussion on, on Kobe White because um, I have a lot of mixed thoughts on him that I need that I need to straighten out. Um, but yeah, I, I do think there are brighter days. I want to get it actually real quick before I let you go. I do want to get a cliff notes on, on Kobe White because I think there's uncertainty even within the Bulls fan base. You know, we're, we're kind of... We like the scoring pop he brings. I think there there's some untapped playmaking ability, but I think we're not sure. Is he is he somebody you run at the point, or is he just a really good combo guard? Is he a starting combo guard? Is he just the guy you bring off your bench? Like I think there's some uncertainty of, of what he can be. So that's again by 2021 is going to be an important year to evaluate him. But if you can't give us a Cliff Notes version on what you think of Kobe, no, of of course. So Kobe White was absolutely one of my like funnest players to scout ever. Um, and, and, and for his draft class, that, that was the first time I like really, really dug into a draft class. Um, so I, what's, what's important to know about Kobe White is how he likes to play the game. And you can kind of look at his, his, the different stops of his career, all the way dating back to high school to kind of figure this out. So in high school, you know, he, he's North Carolina's leading scorer for, for high school ever. Um, and they've had some remarkable talents, right? Um, he he broke the freshman scoring record for North Carolina, uh, like uh, UNC rather. And obviously he has potential as a scorer. He has potential to create his own shot from all three levels. Um, there are some physical limitations, but I don't I actually don't see it, you know, hindering his game too too much so offensively there's a lot to like he, he really does fit the archetype for like the shot creating guard in, in in many respects that being said i i don't like him as a playmaker for others um i i i can in you know i'll maybe you know I'll, I'll i'll shoot this over to you uh in in your dms after or something but you know i can show you tons of clips where he's simply just missing players and <laughs> like whether it's in college uh, just keeping his head down when he drives and, or in the NBA, like, you know, I can show you plays with uh, Zach Levine, like just getting visibly pissed off because he sets like a perfect flare screen for someone and everyone is pointing, Hey, Kobe, pass it here. And he just doesn't pass it. So it'll be, this will be really, really interesting. I am so it's one of my, it's going to be one of my top storylines to watch how the bulls use him. Do the, like, I think if they run him as a point guard, it, it won't work. Um I think that a lot of players will get frustrated. I don't think he'll be able to like be that guy who gives up the ball enough to run an offense the way you want. Um, if listen, if it were up to me, and this might be a kind of a controversial thing to say, uh, if it were up to me, I would just say, listen, you will be Ben Gordon. You will be the six man. Um, yeah. I, and if you haven't guessed by now, I'm just trying to you know list as many former UConn players as I can. <laughs> but you know what? What you're saying is actually, I think where a lot of Bulls fans are are leaning. Uh, towards when they look at Kobe White. That Ben Gordon comp comes up a lot, of course, because he was a bull. But same deal, the spark plug that comes off the bench, you know, is more of a combo guard. Like, that is how I think a lot of Bulls fans view Kobe White right now. And honestly, when it, when it came to a lot of the rumors and speculation about potential movement, 
I think there there was a, a group of Bulls fans that if the Bulls were trading up to number one or number two to get LaMelo Ball, maybe considering trading Zach Levine with the number four pick because while we like Zach, and I think most Bulls fans would rather keep Zach. Let me make that clear. I, this is just me talking and, and a smaller pocket in Bulls Nation that think this way that Kobe White could potentially be your starting two guard or a spark plug two guard with a guy like LaMelo Ball. And maybe you, you evaluate Kobe, Wendell, Laurie, and kind of see where you go from there. But, you know, I, I think it's okay the way things shook out. But I think there were some people that thought maybe Kobe White was better suited to play that two guard spot than try and forcing him at that that point guard spot. I, I totally agree with you, Um, which is why I'm so interested in this season for them. Like, I'm interested to see what role the Bulls have for Kobe White. And, and I think that, you know, they kind of showed us what, what they want for Kobe White through the draft and through the offseason. Like, uh, they didn't take Killian Hayes or or, or Halliburton even. Um, in, instead, they let Chris Dunn go. Um, and, and they didn't go after maybe even a guy like Rondo or someone like that. So I, I think that they plan on starting Kobe White. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I may or may not have been uh <laughs> I may or may not have been DM'd by a family member of his who didn't like my analysis on Kobe Ooh. White. Um uh we can say that this person perhaps loves him like a brother. Um gotcha. I <laughs> I just I just think he's a scoring guard who's very high usage and that's fine. The Bulls just need to have a role for him, and he needs to buy into it. And if he doesn't buy into the role, who knows what will happen in the future? It, it could be a really interesting case of a guy who's very talented but just doesn't fit on that particular team. Uh, but it's it's one of my top things to watch for sure. Mm, very interesting. And, no, it's great to get some perspective on Kobe. So, Matt, we'll definitely have you back on to to break down Kobe White maybe a little more as the season progresses. I would love to just pick your brain about that once it happens. But real quick, before I spring you loose, what is your Twitter handle so people can follow you directly? My Twitter handle is at Matt Esposito underscore. Um, throw, throw me a follow, subscribe to the YouTube page. You know, we're appreciative of, of every single follower. We're appreciative of all the feedback because at the end of the day, I just want to make a website that people like. And you, if you want to figure out what people like, you have to listen to what they say. So, you know, please, you know throw me a follow. Feel free to engage. And um, But, yeah, this this was a lot of fun. You know, I I, I, actually, I really enjoyed coming on and just talking hoops with you. I definitely appreciate it. And like I said, we'll have you back on in your future. So thanks so much, Matt. And please stay safe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, stay safe to you. Stay Everybody stay safe and, and have a good Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.